The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. Well, we do want to welcome you to the Post-Truth Podcast. Does that mean that this church is post-truth? No, but we are definitely going to preach in the post-truth era. Our topic tonight is going to be on procrastination. And procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing an activity assigned to you by yourself or others or even God. The leading consequence of procrastination is you miss the mark on the timeline in which the activity was scheduled to occur. That's not just the timeline that you set out for yourself to accomplish your to-do list or your action list, but you are literally missing the key activation points on God's timeline. I think the, the normal modality and way of thinking for people today is we really do pray in such a way and we function in such a way that God joins us where we're at work. So therefore, you can set your timeline any way that you want, and God will join you there. You'll see a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. You'll see an outpouring of God in you scheduling a ministry activity or a leadership activity that you put on your timeline. Now you might already have guessed this, but that is the standard of functioning for humans saved and not saved every day. Many responsible leaders sit down and take the time and lay out their week on Monday, although there is a message coming up that that's irresponsible. You actually lay out your following week in the week you're in. You don't close up shop on Friday until your next week is completely planned. Well, the reason why we do that is because of the surprises. So for years I've had this this uh, compulsive method of having all my bags packed, everything done, completed, all the little boxes are checked, 
two days before I leave on a trip. Because inevitably, the day before leaving on a trip, the enemy starts coming in and throws all these little different things in your pathway, and it consumes most of your day. Therefore, the following day, you feel unprepared, rushed, and not ready for the trip. So the simple technique is to prepare and be completed two days before your event. So you can handle all these last minute things. So whether a young person, a teenager, or whether you are an older person, well experienced and seasoned in uh, managing your life and your schedule, that is a great technique to adopt. So our overall view and topic for tonight is procrastinations that leaders seem to get stuck in in an average given day. Since they don't yield their schedules to Christ Jesus, they're not really sure which items should be first, second, third, fourth, and so forth. So they kind of start out their day by what's the most important email? What's the most important uh, item that's bothering you that is in front of you? And you spend time on that and you look at that to-do list and three days later you still haven't checked anything on that box because you have been managing activities that were not in the plan. In the scriptures, in Proverbs, God gives us a very clear mandate when it comes to this topic. He says, man makes a, man makes a plan and the Lord directs the steps. Since God is a God of order, that is the first thing he's expecting us to do. Now, if you are going through your day and a ton of new things come at you, what is the smartest thing to do? There's one or two choices that a person makes when they are flooded with three, four, five, six things at one time. They intellectually pick out the things that they believe are most important. And all four of the things could be completely unrighteous and unbiblical. Where God isn't even going to be demonstrating anything in those four items. What would be the solution to this dilemma? you got four things that have come at you in 15 minutes. You write them down. So as the idea comes, or as the call comes in, or as the email arrives, or as the text message arrives, you just reach over to your pad and you write it down. Then before you get too far into your day, you go over that list and compare it to your action list, your to-do list. And then you decide where each of these things are going to fit, if they're even going to get on your to-do list at all.
The Sermon Central Council area of that ministry, which I go to frequently to get recommendations on from pastors who deal with busy schedules and blah, 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 emails where they're persecuted. I want to know what their methodology is in dealing with this stuff. And the first thing they have on their list, which I showed you guys while back in a sermon, and that is wait 24 hours before you reply. It's that concept. You don't have to jump on it just because someone threw it at you fast. Put it on the list. Pray about it. Ask God about it. And see if it fits into the to-do list. And here's the beauty of this whole thing, and that is leaders who refuse to procrastinate are leaders that people respect. Because they know when you're talking to them, you're not going to procrastinate what it is they're telling you. They know you have a system. And you'll probably keep to this system. It builds trust. Because they're viewing you as a person of action. Let's take a look at a couple scriptures. If you want to boil it down to the basics... Procrastination is disobedience. So when we look at Romans chapter 5 verse 19, it says, For as through one man's disobedience, which is procrastination, the many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience, immediate action, of the one, of course that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Now just think about this. Clearly laying out here, obedience. Because the obedience of one. So we could actually say because of one that refused to procrastinate the orders of the Father, many will be made righteous. Can you imagine Jesus procrastinating something the Father told him to do for your life? In fact, most true Christians would be offended by such behavior from Jesus. Well, I'll put it on the list. I'll let you know. He doesn't get his orders from the bottom. He gets his orders from the top. So as we are praying through the Holy Spirit to Jesus, it doesn't stop at Jesus It goes unto the Father. He keeps telling us in the scriptures to forgive others or your Father will not forgive you. Well, what happened to you, Jesus? Are you mindless? He is the connecting point of the Father, the one who is the law, the one who is the mandates. And Jesus is the one that came and fulfilled all those mandates, those laws, so that the Holy Spirit could be put inside of us, so we become responsive to the completion of his tasks, the law. And that's management stuff. So being disobedient by way of procrastination affects others. 
But see, since most procrastinators are very, very selfish, they don't even think about how they're delaying their projects is affecting another person. And I'm not even talking about Jesus Christ. And if you think that your procrastination is not affecting Jesus Christ, then you don't know how this works. When you procrastinate, it affects, it's like dropping a rock into a pond. Those waves move out, and the farther they move out, the bigger the waves become. And if you do the opposite of that, of immediately accomplish a task, a lot of times the rock doesn't even get thrown into the pond. There's no waves to create. It's already done. Satan loves procrastination. It says in Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons, in the sons of disobedience. Procrastinators. There's a direct connection here being made to procrastination, disobedience, is directly related to the enemy. So just as sons of disobedience have the spirit of the Antichrist working in them, we have the spirit of the living God working in us to create obedience, lack of procrastination. Obedience is immediate response. If you're in worship and the spirit says, lift your hands in holy presence, you lift them. You don't go halfway or do this. You lift them. You stretch them out and you express the full ability that is in your mortal body to lift those hands and praise Jesus. That's how detailed this is. If you think the Holy Spirit only tells some people to lift their hands in praise and other people he doesn't require it of them, then God is a liar. They are mandates in Scripture of how we're supposed to praise, how we're supposed to communicate, how we're supposed to lead, how we're supposed to carry out the life of Christ. We are the vessels of Christ thinking and behaving to the world. There is a passage that talks about if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, what happens from the top down? You'll get the same treatment from the Father. Our behavior of expression or refusing to express is directly connected to the Father within split seconds. So that's why instantly we need to respond to the mandates that he is speaking in our minds, in praise and worship, in teaching, and the list goes on from there. Hebrews 4, 6 says, Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, 
This passage, Paul is speaking to the Hebrew people about resting in Christ. This is the topic. So therefore, since it remains some, for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, that's us, formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of procrastination, disobedience. He is speaking to those of us who have heard the gospel by the hearing of our ears and received Jesus Christ, and we don't have any excuses of having these spirits in the sons of disobedience. That was what the passage before was about, is that sons of disobedience are the ones we should be expecting to be sons of procrastination. And now he's speaking to us saying, you are of us. And if you want to enter into rest, refuse to procrastinate. See, procrastination is not found in the Hebrew. Procrastination is not found in the Greek. It's a Latin word. It showed up on the scene down the road to replace disobedience. Disobedience is not a term we throw around very much anymore. We look at people and say, well, I made a mistake. Well, what happened to you? You committed a sin. And what sin did you commit? Well, you know, I just haven't been very responsible lately. Uh, why don't you just use the word disobedient. I've just been disobedient lately, which means I've just been procrastinating lately. No, we don't talk like that anymore. I do. But it's not the standard that is in the world today. It's hard to take all these leadership principles I'm learning from all these fine teachers and get them reworked and reworded so that it's communicating the crisis life leadership approach because it's just not found much in the world today. So the sin of procrastination always affects the believer's level of rest. If you're anxious and you're not resting in Christ and you are just you just have this almost like a nervousness going on inside of your mortal body, it means you're procrastinating something. The first fruit that comes out of obedience is rest. Now I'll rephrase it for this new Latin word. The first fruit that comes out of you when you refuse to procrastinate is rest. So here's our objective. We have to put ourselves into the position of discovering this indwelling obedience, which is who? Right. He's 100% obedient in you. He refuses to procrastinate with his father because there's no disobedience found in him. 
So the father speaks, he jumps. So why would the rules change all of a sudden when it came to you emergent believers? Jesus speaks and you'll say, I'll put it on my list. I'll pray about that. Do you know how many mandates are in the word of God that you never, ever have to pray about? This all pray about it thing says, I'm God and I'll decide if God is right by what God said. It is fruitless to pray about things that God has already spoken about. Now, if you want to pray, oh God, how can this be brought into my life? What do, what do I need to do in responding to you to bring this mandate into my life? Those are great prayers. But if you have to pray about something Christ has asked you to do because the Father has asked him to tell you that, that's a bad confession. On the inside, I chuckle a lot when I hear people say, well, I'll, I'll pray about that. What I want to tell them is, you don't need to pray about truth. Truth sets you free. As soon as you hear it, as soon as you respond to it, as soon as you take action on it, it'll set you free now. What if there's eight minutes left in the entire world and someone said, well, I'll pray about that. Oh, you're speaking really strong about I got to repent and whatever. And I just, I got to think about it. I'll pray about that. And then Christ comes between minute five and six. That's called stupid thinking. Knowing the truth. What's the rest of it? Now I'm talking about the definition of stupid. Knowing the truth. And refusing to act upon it. Stupid is another word for procrastination. So do you procrastinate? Or do you respond immediately? Now, if you want to take the risk and say, oh, I respond immediately to Jesus as soon as I hear him, I better see it in every form of your life, that there's no procrastination. Not with a self-governed rule, not with a boss-governed rule, not with God himself. Has to be a clean slate all the way across the board. People somehow have separated how they respond to God versus how they respond to man. I don't buy it. I just don't. It's the same to me. And that's what brings an honest appraisal. So procrastination, which is when you put off tasks that you should be focusing on, worse yet, you've been assigned... This habit can stop even the most promising leader right in his tracks. You talk about develop a bad reputation and a lack of respect from the people around you, particularly those who are responsible to you. If they're watching you be a procrastinator, you will lose respect soon, if not immediately. 
So when I think about the possibility of Christ procrastinating something that the Father has given him to give to me, and then the Holy Spirit procrastinating what Jesus was saying, I think in my mind it's beyond childish. It's beyond stupidity. It's beyond any human excuse. I never, ever expect Jesus Christ to hesitate. Ever. Because sin is birthed inside hesitation. That hesitation can be a very, very, very small amount of time. And that's where sin is birthed. You hesitate, the enemy has his hook in you. Versus immediately responding with, yes, Lord, I will turn left. Procrastination diminishes the quality of work that Christ wants to do in you, lead you to missing deadlines, causes others to avoid working with you, including the Spirit's work within you. Now, what I mean by that is the Holy Spirit doesn't jump out of your body and go uh, sit in the local church for a while until you start to be obedient. I'm just here to tell you that if you think the Holy Spirit joins you in selfish tasks, then you do not know the Word of God, and secondly, you do not know Jesus. The Holy Spirit will never waste God's power on your fruitless tasks. He will only invest his power in the tasks that have been assigned by Jesus Christ who supposedly lives in you. You say, well, what about all these worldly tasks that I'm given by my boss? Scripture already addressed it. Do it. Quickly. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. Money. If you're a servant and you're a slave, honor that master. It even goes a little deeper than that. It says to submit to unreasonable authority. For this finds favor in the eyes of God when a man and woman bears up when suffering unjustly. You see, the Spirit will move in that, even though the task you're being asked to do is not necessarily coming directly from Jesus. But see, the biblical mandate is there. And since the mandate is there to honor unreasonable authority, submit to them, as it actually says, then the Holy Spirit is there to give you favor from the living God because a mandate was written about that secular task you were asked to do. That's how it works. But if you come up with your own tasks on your own self-governed list and expect the Holy Spirit to come in and empower those, you certainly do not understand how this works. Now, even though we cannot damage the reputation of Jesus because His reputation has already been confirmed. He's sitting on the Supreme Court. And you cannot penetrate that with any lies, any games, any 
whatever, you cannot hurt his reputation. But you see, this procrastination thing can hurt your reputation and the reputation you are representing of Jesus Christ can be damaged. People can look at you and say, well, I'm never going to trust that Jesus Christ because of what they're seeing in you. Here's a little quick video from our partners on procrastination. Procrastination, which is when you put off tasks that you should be focusing on, can stop even the most promising career in its tracks. It can diminish the quality of your work, lead you to miss deadlines, cause others to avoid working with you. The good news is there's a lot you can do to overcome this bad habit. First, it's important to recognize when you're procrastinating. Most people know when they're putting things off, but there are several signs you can watch out for. For instance, you might spend a lot of your time working on low priority tasks from your to-do list. Perhaps you sit down to work on a high priority project and then immediately take a coffee break. Or maybe you wait around to be in the right mood to get started on something. Everyone's different, so pay attention to when you put off a task or project. The next step is to think about why you're procrastinating. Are you overwhelmed by the task? Are you disorganized and just don't want to get started? Or are you a perfectionist and don't think you have enough knowledge or skills to begin? Once you understand why you're procrastinating, come up with some strategies to overcome it. For instance, if you're not motivated to get started, think about all of the unpleasant consequences of not completing this task. If you're procrastinating because of disorganization, take time to prioritize your to-do list and then focus on one task at a time. Or if you're procrastinating because of perfectionism, ask yourself how perfect the work actually has to be. And don't forget to reward yourself. For example, have a gourmet coffee once you've completed a task that you've been putting off. Not only is this motivational, but you'll realize how good it feels when you actually finish things. Remember, it can take a while to overcome a bad habit and establish a new routine, so don't give up. Remember this diagram from last week? Ecclesiastes 3.1 saying there is an appointed time for everything. And there is a time for every event. And it even says under heaven. That means everything. So we put there with the primaries like there's a time to be born, a time to die. You know, even with that we don't take real seriously. Some people try to hold baby in too long. Some people try to, you know, do the medical thing to keep their bodies living longer. Some people do, you know, whatever. We even play with the basics, birth and death. This covers everything, every event. So if I'm going to have an event of getting after my emails, there is a perfect time for that. If there's an event that you're creating to clean your kitchen, there's a perfect time for that. If there's a time to text, I mean, we are living in a world today that people text while someone's talking to them. 
I wouldn't exactly call that a perfect time to text. God doesn't look at texting or technology as sin. It's how you manage it that turns into sin. So therefore, everything has a perfect time. So you have to write down these things, take them into your planning meetings. You want to call it devotions. That's that's awesome. It's a good church title. But I have planning meetings every morning with the Lord. Going through these items that I wrote down so that I don't forget them, do they enter into the the to-do list? The I like to call them action list. And it's organized according to my mind. And then I slide it over before the Lord and say, Lord, you committed to your child here to direct my steps today. So if item number eight needs to be number two, I'm ready for it. So not sticking to the one, two, three, four, five, six does not necessarily mean that that was the order God wanted to give you. Any new things, you simply write them down. If an emergency shows up, well, if someone's bleeding, you stop the bleeding. If the pipe breaks, you fix the pipe. But see, if there's these creative ideas that you want to work on, or, boy, I haven't texted, you know, Jim Bob in a long time. I'm just going to take a few moments and do that. That may not and probably isn't necessarily the perfect time. Then again, it might be. So knowing and hearing God, I think, becomes a pretty critical piece to this. Procrastination, bottom line is, is it disrupts God's timeline. And that's what this timeline that you're staring at in your course, or people listening tonight, you're seeing it. And that is, God does have a perfect time for someone's salvation. God knows how much conviction time after the message is given to this person that is needed before they're going to confess Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now I'm working the timeline backwards. God knows exactly when that message has to be delivered by you or the person you send to do it. And we bring it all the way back to the baton being passed to you, either directly by the Holy Spirit or by your pastor or your leader, do this task. Everything has to fall into the exact moment. And that takes hearing God, responding to God within you, through Christ Jesus, to hit the timeline moments on God's timeline. Reaching point B. Now here's some of the excuses that procrastinators like to use. Many procrastinators persuade themselves that they have good reasons for delaying getting on what they are asked to do. And once you've got into a victim mindset, which it has been proven that most procrastinators do fall into a victim mindset, 
So when they are communicating to you a crisis that has happened to them, something that they're faced with or whatever, you start to read a little bit of that flavor of being a victim here, being mistreated. They should treat me with a little more respect or whatever. Those are excuses. Of course you're a victim. We're put here on earth to be victims. The whole lawsuit thing and arguing and fussing over human rights and this and that and whatever is a pushing against God asking us to embrace persecution and distress and difficulties. There's no victim pothole that we can fall in that we cannot immediately jump out of. But most procrastinators like to stay there. You procrastinators, you may not realize what you're doing is procrastination. In fact, as a counselor, I have always found it a little bit amazing that when you bring out the topic of procrastination and connect it to disobedience, they're shocked. So I've never looked at it like that. More and more connecting it to the label of perfectionism, well, I keep putting off tests until I have enough time to do it perfectly, which is another one of their excuses. The reality is it's falling into disobedience. And it's really up to you and I. There is no one else. To release this nasty habit unto the indwelling life of Jesus Christ. It's no one else's responsibility. We can't do that for each other. Because you'll just procrastinate what I directed you to do. It is my greatest frustration as a 63-year-old preacher and ministry leader to have to wait on people's procrastination. And I know there's pastors and preachers and ministry leaders listening that have this same frustration is that they feel like they have to collaborate, they have to convince the the people to get tasks done in the church or in their ministry or even occupationally in people that they lead in their corporations. It's like they have to appeal to them. Do you mind if you accomplish one of our corporate goals today? Could you possibly not text while you're working? We had someone tell us today, we were talking about schools and children having phones in schools, and we threw out the suggestion that you just simply take the cell phones away. And this young teacher said, from what she thought it was against the law to do that. Well, it's not. That young mind who caught how much of a problem this is in training up children doesn't know what to do with this problem. Well, I would come in and say, put your phones in a basket. Well, my mom says if there's an emergency, she'll call the principal. The principal will come and get me. And tell me what the emergency is and we'll make sure you take care of that emergency right away. 
I think, if I remember correctly, that's how it worked up to last year. You see what happens to the mind? Now we're appealing to children to obey. And if we do the mandate thing, they're beyond offended. They go and tell their parents that you're abusive for leading them and disciplining them and equipping their minds, structuring their minds. This is not the way the schools function today. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.